I'm Asan. It's Friday, and this is the Friday Show. Been another long but very interesting week in Manchester City world, and joining me to look back and also look forward to Cardiff this weekend, I've got Mr. Howard Hocking. Morning, Howard. Good morning. How are we? Little horse, I believe. A little horse, yeah, whole week, but not bad. I'm not going to pretend it's full man flu. <laughs> obviously, I'd be crying in bed if that was the case. <laughs> uh, I I don't need for it to be full on man flu for me to be crying in bed. They're just <laughs> just the sniffles, and I'm I'm immediately like. Well, I've not I've not had a proper cold in twenty years, so if I do get one, I'll be a I'll be just don't know how to deal with things like this anymore. So. <laughs> okay, well. Um, I think we should get straight into it because there's a lot yeah. to talk about this week. Um, look, I'm going to start with the opening question. It's from Andrew Brindle. Uh, most people will probably have seen it on our Twitter already. Uh, what will it take for City fans to love the Champions League? And he goes on to say, I don't believe this is just about the cost of football. We just don't seem to have the same relationship with European football as Liverpool and United fans. Is it a lack of any tangible success in the tournament to date? Now, I feel like in the three years that we've been doing this podcast, we've asked this question every year at some point during the Champions League. So this is our annual, why don't we love the Champions League <laughs> question. Howard, be the oracle. Uh, I wish, well, if you expected all the answers from me, you may be disappointed because a bit of a head scratch on Wednesday. Uh, I always start with a caveat. No one should be told what football matches, what to spend the money on in life what football matches they should go to and what, which ones they shouldn't. So everything I say, I would, no criticism of people, not individuals not going to a football match because, well, if I gave you my true thoughts on people who do have a go at them, uh, you probably wouldn't be able to broadcast this podcast, to be honest. Uh, absolutely pathetic that you can tell people that they're not a proper fan if they do, don't go to a specific uh, game. But when I walked up on Wednesday night into the concourse bit and there was about eight people, it was about 10 minutes before kickoff, I thought, oh God, there's not many people around here. I was generally surprised by the attendance on Wednesday night. Uh, yeah, I thought it'd be about 50,000. Uh, we'd won the league with 100 points and I thought, yeah, the first Champions League game uh, I thought, yeah, there'll be plenty up for it. There's a bundle available for £55 for three games. I thought we'd, you know, even if we're not going to totally sell it out, and I don't care if we totally sell it out, I thought it'd be a good uh, attendance. As it happens, it wasn't. Uh, first things first, you know, I'll try and be brief on this rather than going on for ages. I've written about it elsewhere, so I don't want to bore people by repeating myself. But I think we have actually suffered by being in pot one, for starters. Uh, before I get to the real reasons, the little things, pot one means we're not we haven't pulled out Real Madrid or Barcelona in our group, and whilst I'm happy with that because I thought the group would be easier, we would have got bigger attendances and have sold that bundle more. The tougher the group was because they're more exciting games, uh, and this was, you know, on the surface quite a boring draw, Hoffenheim Leon. Chapter, it's not exciting. Uh, but the main reasons, no, I think Andrew has uh, phrased it very well, to be honest. I've written that Liverpool have this love with the Champions League. We don't. We have a bigger love with the league, with domestic. We'd get more, we'd sell out for an FA Cup game, but we wouldn't sell out for this, whereas this should be the bigger thing. It's, it's a, there's many factors here. We're not in love with it yet. If we won it, I'm sure that would increase. It's not just money, but it is, obviously, as football as a whole, it is money because people are on their asses. I mean, it's obvious. You only have to go out to know that. Uh, and people will make sacrifices. And if they're making sacrifices, the domestic football will be their priority, especially the league. Especially season ticket holders will keep renewing that. That's their priority. Another thing... Uh, I mean, this hating UEFA. Sorry, I don't think that's got anything to do with the crowd. I don't think mm. people would say, no, I'm not going to watch European football because UEFA are nasty and do you awful think, people. Because, the, you know, 
Oh, the FA brilliant? Are the Premier League brilliant? Do we like them? No, it's an excuse. The one, the one final thing is we don't tend to, we don't have the fan base, obviously. So if 76,000 people go to watch United on Saturday and then they play Leon on a Wednesday, it's not the same people. You know, it's not all the same people going to that midweek one. Some people can't go to it. I know a lot of people that come from down south for Saturday weekend games that can't go to midweek. It's just not logistically; it's impossible because of work, and we don't have the fan base to replace these people. But City have never sold out. You know, never really had a good attendances for midweek games. So, just the final thing I would say is just. I mean, there's a hundred reasons for this, but you put that Leon game at 5.30 on a Saturday afternoon, you know, there'd be 50,000 plus there. Mm. So it's partly because it's simply midweek. It's partly because people are prioritising and domestic football is still our bread and butter. It's what we get excited about because, I don't know, it's still relatively new to us, this success. And it's going to take a long time for that European that to fall in love with it. And to be honest, I think we do get a bit annoyed that we're told that we should love European football, but it's the ultimate goal. But I don't. I, I still, you know, I'll take the league over anything any day. Okay, I'm fair not enough. Sure that's helped, but well, I mean, I, I think I think that it it's kind of covered a lot of stuff that I feel as though we've covered over the last two or three years. Um, what do you? Th- My question is this: because I, what do you think it is then? Well, I mean, it's for me. It's not about what it is. It's about when is it going to change? Because what it is, is a combination of everything that you've just said and loads of other things. I think Ryan Malley tweeted something which I find quite interesting. And I think it's kind of fair enough. He says, I think we see ourselves still as a working class club and aren't as comfortable growing accustomed to being part of the best and therefore hated clubs in the world. Whereas Liverpool United relish it, I think it grates on us as well as the ridiculous sanctions decisions referee referees. I think that's kind of fair enough. I think that we kind of, you know, UEFA are the establishment. The Champions League is the tournament of the establishment. City still see them as, I think as a supporter base in general, we still see ourselves as being outside of that establishment, that established elite, even though, you know, we won the Premier League six years ago now. So it's like, you know, we've been there for a while. Um, I guess that my... I guess my thing is I think that we have to win it for the mentality to change because I don't see uh, everybody sat around me moaned more or less all the way through the game in terms of, you know, not liking the tournament. It's just, I don't know, like if you if you turn up going, I ate this, you're probably going to eat it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It just, you're, you're, you're kind of, you're, you're reinforcing a negative thought that, it's going to be pretty hard for you to then turn up and have a good time. So, and I think that, you know, we can sell out European games and we can generate atmospheres on European nights when we feel like it. So it isn't really about, I think for for me, I don't think it's about externally anything needing to change. I think that just from a, from a mentality point of view, there needs to be a switch amongst the, uh, amongst the regular match-going support in terms of how they view the Champions League. And I don't think they will. That switch will come until we... I mean, you know, in in a way, like, I, I don't even know if getting to the final would do it. I think literally we'd have to win it for yeah. for us to, to have that um, that love for it. Having said that, we won the Premier League with 100 points last season... And the atmosphere against Fulham last weekend was not like, you know, rocking from the rafters, uh, particularly considering there was a goal after a minute or two minutes. It it certainly didn't, you know, uh, you see the point I'm making, don't you, Howard? That, yeah, uh, we're, we're like spoiled a bit of like Roman emperors, aren't we? Like, you know, entertain me. And it's, you know, just, I want to be entertained. I expect a victory. And, you know, we're not, we're not the only ground like this. We're not... We don't have the temperament to uh, stand there. You know, if anyone plays music, we're, we're offended by it, and rightly so, because drums in football grounds should be <laughs> illegal. Uh, we obviously can't be firing off flares because you're not even allowed to cap on the top of your Coke bottle. 
because it could be an offensive weapon. Uh, so what can we do? You know, we're not the noisiest. There's there's whole new issues about the setup of the ground, but that that's a whole pod on itself about how to improve atmosphere. And maybe we should do that sometime. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're a bit spoiled. And something like Fulham does not. Uh, Saturday three pm. You think people would be happy because they're so rare at the moment. And we've got another against Brighton, but people are just a bit in a comfort zone now. Mm. We we expect to win these games and. That's our minimum requirement. Do you think there's a responsibility to? Um, it, it's a it's an age old conversation, but is it the responsibility of the team to lift the crowd, or is it the responsibility of the crowd yeah. to lift the team? It, well, it's both. So you know, <laughs> there's no right answer there. Uh, one feeds off the other. Uh, you know, it's like the discussion about booing the anthem and how it affects the team from the beginning. It, it's both in a way. So you know if. If if City start the front foot and start scoring goals, then the crowd are up for it and there's atmosphere. But as soon as they, but they have to keep that going. The crowd, if there's a lull in the game, if you know even a small one in the Fulham one, then it can go quiet. But it's no different anywhere else in England. Yeah, it's a it's a sanitised product now. The the only way you'll get, I mean, it sounds patronising, but smaller clubs and they're not small. You know, like Crystal Palace in a tight ground, that's where you get an atmosphere. It's harder in a bowl, uh, in a big stadium, and we have to address the reasons for that. Uh, and they have many ideas on how to do that. But yeah, it's responsibility of both, to be honest, mm. uh, to fire off each other. See, I think, for example, I mean, okay, you know what? Let's move forward because we can talk about this when we talk about the Fulham and Leon games. Um I'll ask you about Leon first. Sorry, I took a little bit of a long pause there because I was trying to decide whether I'm going to go first or you're going to go first. But okay, <laughs> you'll go first. I'm going to ask you about Leon first. We'll do this. We'll do this kind of back to front. We'll talk about Leon and then we'll talk about Fulham. Um, what did you make firstly of the performance? Oh, it was magnificent from start to finish. Uh, yeah, I was dis- I was disappointed. I mean. What I'm trying to weigh up in my mind is how good are Leon? So are Leon a great side that have had a, a you know a slow start to their league season, or are they not that great a side whose league form tells us all we need to know? I think they are a pretty damn good side, but they haven't been playing that well. Other, you know, lesser French teams have known how to negate their their you know quite exciting and quick front line, uh, energetic midfield. I just felt that first half was. It was, you know, scraping average when it, you know, it was below average, it was poor, it's whatever word you want. Not shambolic, but it was pretty poor. It, you know, it could have been turned out differently. We could have had not had a goal disallowed, we could have had a penalty. You know, I'm not even sure if Fekir fouled Fernandinho before he scored his goal, but little things like that. But if even taking, you know, ignoring all that, the just sloppiness in that first half. The second half was an improvement, but it wasn't a, an all-out, you know, blitz the opposition to... I think you can uh, you can accept what a bad half if they then come out second half all guns blazing, wanting to put it right. The first, the second half was okay. So, an okay or, you know, got us a goal back. But it, it was... I, I didn't see it coming, to be honest. I thought, you know, I asked Sam this on the preview pod, are, are we at a stage like Barcelona or Real Madrid that Games like this are almost, you know, in the way that Fulham at home is almost inevitable a home win, are games like this almost inevitably a home win? Because if Barcelona were home to, as they were to Roma, I think, was it, who beat Roma during week? Was it Real Madrid or, you know, they, they just win games like that, Barcelona, Real Madrid, and we're not at that level yet. We're still not there. Uh, and it, it does perplex me that, you know, we're favourites going into this competition, which I felt was... A bit strange that we're Bucky's favourites for the tournament, but we just don't have. It's a mentality thing. It's not. It's not a skill thing. It's a mentality thing. But if I had the answers for that, I'd be a very rich man if I could tell you why. Why we fail on a night like that? But mm. it, you know, it's just like it's, I always say, like I mean, they're so rare. These they're hard to take because they don't happen that often. But it is three home defeats on their own now in the, you know this. 
this should this ground should be a fortress in all competitions because that's how good our side is. Three, that doesn't tell the full story. Losing three on the row, obviously one was a dead rubber, a, a, close to a dead rubber. We're not giving up a four goal lead. Uh, Liverpool, we were superb for forty five minutes, but once they equalised, that was it. The game was yep. gone. The heads went down. Uh, so yeah, there's different circumstances there, but you've got to wonder. You know, I just didn't see this coming, and it's not just because the manager's not the touchline. They should be fired up for a game like this, and that's my concern. I think mentally, how are the players approaching this game? Yeah, see, I've I've a little bit come back from the edge, you know, because I did the review yesterday, and that was quite, you know, yeah. negative. Um, having kind of lived with it for another day, I feel slightly differently in that. Look, I think that it's a little bit too early in the season to expect perfect rhythm game in and game out. That's the first thing. I think the second thing is that I'm not trying to make excuses, but I think that when you've got a lot of players that have had mentally a very intense summer, I think there will be peaks and troughs in their performances in the early part of the season. And I think that going, this is the first Saturday, Wednesday, Sun Saturday, when Tuesday, you see what I mean? Like it's the, it's the first time that it, this season that we're getting into that. And I think maybe it will take a little bit of time to, to refine that rhythm. So I, 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 although I felt there was an element of complacency, you kind of look at, you know, David Silva misplacing five yard passes for me is not, as much as people might go, well, that's a really clear sign of complacency. I kind of look at it the other way and go, well, maybe it's just about rhythm and maybe it's just about the mental intensity of going to the World Cup and, you know, having a poor World Cup and having that on your shoulders and then coming back and, you know, I, I don't know, like I'm, I'm, I'm a little more forgiving today. I feel as though we need to get through this entire period of games up to the Liverpool game and then the morning when we play Liverpool is kind of a moment to assess or that or that preview show, the Friday show that we do before the Liverpool game will be a nice moment to assess how we've done in this period and look at it as a whole block of games. And I think we'll have a better idea then about whether there's complacency, whether there's a mentality issue or whether it really is just about yeah, rhythm. I, I don't, I don't fall for the complacency uh, angle at all, to be honest. But at the end of the day, we lost a football match and didn't play very well. That's, that's the bottom line uh, every season however good we are there will be games like this absolutely and we can analyse well, why did we just lose to a team that we should beat well because that's football and because they oh, sounds like you know they got the breaks as if I'm saying they're lucky they deserved a victory but games sometimes go that way things don't fall for you absolutely and I think that's you know, the way it goes in the end so. uh, I think if there is complacency if you do want to use the c word i think that the reality is that from every conversation that i had before the game and everything that i read it was really obvious that the general feeling was that city are going to roll leon over here and i felt really differently it kind of stood in the pub before the game staying at people two or three people like i'm not like i looked at leon's lineup and i went they will cause us problems all yeah. day long, they are going to cause us problems. If we're not on it, then they have the tools to, to yeah, to, to to make life really difficult for us. And I think maybe where there's a subconscious complacency is that maybe City do, maybe we do go into that game because we so comfortably get past Fulham at the weekend that we're almost done with the game after an hour and we kind of stop playing, that you kind of go into that, Tuesday game kind of feeling like all right you know we'll we'll roll these over or Wednesday game whatever it was we'll we'll roll these over um and they for their part Leon are coming to the Etihad coming to play Pep Guardiola's Manchester City all of those players know that they're basically in a massive shop window in these Champions League games and you just knew that Fekir, Depay and Dombele that I mean these guys they you know they they've got that they've got 
higher ambitions than Leon and they know that coming to the Etihad and putting the right performance in is going to enhance their rep- reputation no end so you just knew that they were coming with the right attitude and the question was just are we going to turn up and play this like it's the first leg of a semi-final or are we going to turn up and play it like it is the first game in the group stage and we rocked up and played it like it was the first game in the group stage and that's kind of what happened um but okay, I mean, yeah. like I say, like give it a few weeks and then we can assess this more clearly in a way. Yeah, indeed. Indeed, it's just a football match. But yeah, I mean, it's the, prob- yeah, the separate problems, of course, is that, you know, it's a six. We, th- we thought we'd uh, finished top and now we're looking at, you know, <laughs> we'd probably settle for second, but... Oh, no, we can still finish top. I think that that's what I mean no about... Whipping, yeah, there's no whipping boy in this group, so... no. Literally, people are going to teams are going to beat other teams. It's very hard to call, and the, the total that wins the you know the, the group should be less than you'd expect because I said yeah I said elsewhere when we we've finished third in a group I think with ten points. Well, that's because was it Villarreal did get a single point in that group. Uh, I can't see that happening this time. So no. if all the teams are taking points off each other, and it probably helped us at the other game that night was a draw. Earlier in the night, anyway. Absolutely. So yeah, it's uh, there's going to be a lot of roller, yeah, ups and downs in this league table. I think over the six games. I don't think that we'll. Uh, I don't think that we'll drop very many more points because I think that that will be the wake up call that they needed. And for example, I don't see Leon going to Shakhtar and winning. I, I think even going to Hoffenheim will be a challenge for them. So there's everything to play for still. So it's not, you know. It's not the end of the world that it felt like yesterday. Yeah. Uh, okay, look, I want to move forward or slightly move back to Fulham. Um, and were there signs in the last half hour against Fulham that the performance against Leon was coming, or is that unfair? And that's pretty much the only thing I want to say about Fulham. Uh, no, no, not for me. I thought it was just closing it down because we were playing Leon. Uh, okay. And I don't think, you know, Winding down the intensity really has much of an effect for when you start a match three days later or four days later. So I felt I felt that second half was linked to Leon, but because with a three 0 lead, the game was dead. So City, you know they do have a tendency to do this: just keep possession, don't let the opposition anywhere near your goal, and see the game out. It wasn't very exciting, but I do understand why it was done. Okay, of course, within four. In four substitutions, and just by making three substitutions, obviously, that also does affect the rhythm of a football game. Mm. But I don't see any difference. I don't see how that affected Wednesday night for me. Do you okay. think differently? or? Um, I mean, yeah. I, I, well, what, here's <laughs> I what I think. Here's, here's what I think. I think that we have a tendency to drop back into second and third gear first chance that we get. And I don't think that we're a team mentally that are built to do that. I think that we should play as many of our game, as much of the 90 minutes of as many of our games in fifth gear as we can. And I think Guardiola knows this. And I think that that's why Oh, yeah, he wasn't so, happy, yeah. Exactly. That I think that's why he's so arsy about what happens in the last 30 minutes because you just, you know, this lot don't need to be, you know, they don't need to relax. They don't need to drop, drop yeah. a gear or two gears. They need to show that last season was just the beginning of something that can get even better. And to do that, you need to approach, you know, when we put seven past Stoke, like was it seven that we put put past Stoke last season? Yeah. We did not, we did not stop. Yeah, Fulham could have taken seven goals on Saturday if decision making was better, and we chose to continue to to keep our foot on their throat. And for whatever reason, the players chose to not do that. Now that for me is slightly different than the way we were last season, and I I think that that's something that we. Yeah, I mean it's a it's an intensity thing and I think in the in the in this part of the season we need to go back to just going you know the point we had to prove because I think at the start of last season what happens is because we finished 
so far below our own expectations the season before that we start last season going, right, we're going to show everybody, Guardiola, all the players, they're all like, we've got the new fullbacks, we can do this, we're just going to absolutely murder teams. Now, bear in mind that Mendy's not even playing. Mendy drops out and we still keep getting those results. Mm. And I think that this time round, there isn't that thing, there isn't really that thing to prove. Now, this is not the same as saying they're complacent, but they don't have that, we've got somewhere to prove. Quite the opposite. They're like, look at us, we got 100 points last season. We did the thing that, you know, we've shown what we are. Well, no, you need to show it again and you need to show that you can get better and I think that that's what Pep will be hammering home. And I think that's the difference. If you want to talk about what happens in the last 20, 30 minutes against Fulham and why maybe that's a little bit of a signpost about what's coming at Leon is that when we feel we don't need to be in fifth gear, maybe some of those players are happy to drop to third. And I don't think that that's going to fly because I don't think we're a team that's built to play in second or third gear, really. I think we need to be at almost our highest level to kill teams off and then keep going to carry that momentum. I mean, look, you know, in a weird sort of way, 3-0 for this team is becoming a little bit of a, not an average result, but that's like 3-0 at home is like, that's all right. And I think if they score six, seven, eight against Fulham last weekend, I'm not sure they start against Leon the way they start. I think they start hungrier and sharper. That's kind of a strange thing to say, but I think it's, you know, that momentum begets momentum. And if you keep, if you keep at it, you'll, you'll keep, you'll keep being at it. And if you're easing, if you're easing off, if you're continually going, we'll play in fifth for half an hour and then we'll back off again. It's maybe it's harder to, to get going again. That's my, that's my take on it anyway. Well, th- three days after the Stoke seven-two, we beat Napoli two-one. So we there had you go. A similar. We had, we had a tough game right after it. They didn't ease off that weekend beforehand, and that Napoli game was amazing. And City were up against a brilliant side who went out as hard, but they came through it. So yeah, uh, a different mentality in that game than there was against Leon. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, look, just kind of. Keeping slightly keeping with this theme, I want to move forward a little bit and I want to talk about Guardiola and and his decision making. And this is maybe a conversation that it's kind of an uncomfortable conversation because I think on one on one level, people will perceive this as criticism of Pep. And there is this sense that Pep is the man who shall never be criticized. Um, but I think it's our job on podcasts like this to to try and bring everybody's view, including maybe a little bit more of a critical view of the manager as well. Um, I want to talk about his decision-making, particularly with regards to rotation and positional issues. And and the two players that really I want to focus on are Bernardo and, and Gundogan. Um, so I I talked about it in in the pod after, after Leon that I don't really understand what the thinking is in shifting Bernardo to the right to accommodate Gundogan. Or in fact, let's forget about the second part of that sentence. I don't understand shifting Bernardo to the right um, when he's probably been our best player so far this season playing centrally. And I also think that a lot of managers, yeah, would be getting it in the neck from their own supporters for kind of shuffling a player like that around of that quality, shuffling him around to that extent. Um, how do you feel about that? Do you think that, do you think that Pep is in a way contributing to certain performance related issues by moving players around? Yeah. I you know I have this mantra about uh, stability and I yeah. do wonder now, City can't play the same players every week. Uh, well, this isn't about who he's playing. It's where they are on the pitch, of course. They can't play the same players every week because of the burnout, obviously, and because we have a deep squad who must play some football. You know, if we sign Mahrez for £60 million, going to have to put him in the team quite a lot, even if he's got a slow start at some point. I th- yeah, of course he's open to criticism. Let's... 
it reminds me before uh, my friend, his dad, my friend, the United fan, his dad was all, you know, it's like the Alex Ferguson. They're like, you know, could you criticize him with his record? And my friend's dad did. He said he failed in Europe. Mm. He won won twice in Europe. That team should have won more over his tenureship. It should have won at least five European Cups uh, or Champions League or whatever you want to call it. Of course, it's a cup competition, so you are open to certain uh, certain elements of luck there and fine lines. But, you know, it it reminded me of this. Like, of course you can. Pep's record in this competition is not good for the last eight years mm. by his standards. Mm-hmm. He's not been to a final, I think. Was it 2010 or 11 or something like that? So, of course, he's... A, and the, the main criticism that is levelled at him, especially when it gets to the latter points of tournaments, is that he overthinks things. Uh, I don't think... And we we learned this week that, you know, he's been trying new things in training to try, you know, new passing routines and stuff to try and make us more efficient and more successful in the Champions League. But I do, my concern, and this is speculation because I have no idea, when he first started at City, I think it, the players were overburdened with his instructions and it took a year for them to, to understand it all because his system is complicated and it needs concentration and to understand the positions and what is expected of you and those around you. Mm. And if he's If he's going back to now adding another layer of instructions onto them, then I do wonder if if that's really necessary in a group where we should not breeze through, but qualify comfortably. Going back to Bernardo Silva, I mean, it's easy for me to talk with hindsight and I hate, I don't want to be the, yeah, yeah, it was obvious to me that, you know, as soon as I saw the uh, the team sheet, but when I looked at the team sheet, there was a, hmm, Bernardo's playing on the right. And it is obvious. He should be in the middle. And just play. I just. I'm a you know, big fan of playing players in their strongest position at all times, and I still prefer Sterling on the right. So he should have been there for me. Uh, and yeah, and it was all done to accommodate the players he wanted in the team to put Gundogan in there. But did we need him in the side? That which is not a criticism of Gundogan. It's just would we have been overrun if we'd had the two silvers in the middle? We'd have had a better shape, I think. So. I mean, I say it's easy to say after the event, but why? Yeah, you know, when he became when he moved centrally, he scored a goal and was better. Mm. So, so let me ask you. Let me ask you the, It's part of the reason, but part is the yeah you know, the attitude of them. He's played on the right for plenty of times for City and plenty of times for Monaco. So it's not as if we're it's not as if we're sticking him at left back. But you know, just let him play where they're apps. He's been so good centrally. I mean, so good. It's literally. He's one of your man of the match nominations for every single time he plays there. So why would you move him away when someone is totally on top of their game in a certain position? Just doesn't make much sense to me. So let me ask you a different question then. Um, why do we need... I feel like we need more consistency of selections because for whatever reason, whenever he shuffles the pack, so to speak, yeah... It, you lose a little bit of something, whether it's quality, a momentum, a performance, something tends to dip. Why can't Pep rotate the way he did at Bayern? I mean, I remember at Bayern, I remember at Bayern Munich, like, you know, one week it'd be, you know, Boateng and, and Javi Martinez at centre-half. And then like, you know, three days later, it'd be, I don't know, Alaba and um, Kimmich. Like literally, he'd, he'd change it like that. Do you know what I mean? It's like one yeah. week you've got you've got two proper centre halves. So next week you've got basically a left back and a midfielder playing in uh, at, at centre back. I think similarly, there, I, I remember I re- reading a stat where like in Pep's last two seasons he used like eighty something different tactical formations across those two seasons. And if you look at Bayern's in general, the consistency of their results and their performances, right? Kind of begs the question, why can't we do that? What's what's different at City that Pep's not got that he had at Bayern? Are you talking about the league here? I'm talking about in general because I don't because think that this is a... I don't think this is a Champions League or a Premier League exclusive no. thing. I know the point that you made about Pep's record... In yeah. the champ in the latter stages of the Champions League, but that's a separate conversation because 
Yeah, that's basically a different conversation because I kind of know, I think I know why that is. And that's just more to do with his overarching philosophy and the fact that when you go away from home, if you're not prepared to, at some point, close the game down, then you'll always be susceptible to conceding, particularly in bursts, particularly when you need to to chase a goal. And particularly, like we see in Europe, like we saw against Leon, where you're playing teams who, if you make a mistake... They'll punish you in the way that maybe Cardiff or Fulham or Wolves won't punish you. Um, but yeah, just in terms of in general, why can't we? Why can't we rotate like that? What's your vibe? Uh, well, I don't know the answer. <laughs> it's my vibe. I think what you stress in the notes is probably the answer that you've got to be used to this. It takes time. Senior players are more experienced, more nous got quite a young side and they're not ready for such constant rotation. With time, we'll grow into this. Uh, at Bayern in the league, I mean, we know he, didn't, he failed as such in the Champions League, so it didn't work. It didn't work in as much as he didn't win the, the Champions League. But there is, the, the German league's not weak, but Bayern's superiority over other teams is greater than City's is. Yes, even, you know, Definitely. funny to say after last season with 100 points, but that's not happening again. Uh, Talking of dominating the game was absolute rubbish, as we've seen already this season. So they've probably got a bit more leeway to do things like that. In this in the English Premier League, there's no let-up, really. You drop points and it's crisis. You fall two points behind someone, it's crisis, and you're playing catch-up, and it probably stifles innovation a bit, but... I don't, yeah, it's just players being used to a lot of information. Uh, and, you know, the players you mentioned at Bayern are just soaked with experience and are probably used to being asked to do different things like that. That's the only reason I can think of is experience. Mm. That's kind of, I think that that's maybe the one thing that I sort of look at is I go, you know, we've bought a very young team. I mean, from back to front, it's very young. Stones, Laporte. I mean, Laporte's very experienced, actually. Um, but he's still, you know, he's actually been our most consistent performer in in many respects after Bernardo this season. Um, but yeah, I just think there's a, a there's a there's a, one there's a lack of experience in general. I think two there's a a lack of experience of dealing with a coach tactically who operates at the level that Guardiola operates at. And this is where maybe I think that, you know, this is where I think that maybe Pep can make a little bit of a compromise in terms of, you know, Fulham and then going into Leon. I feel you've got a bit of momentum there. The players who perform and perform well, put them back in against Leon. Yeah. in the same positions just for this part, even if you want to rotate, like wait until a bit later in the season at this point, just kind of give them a little bit of consistency. I mean, Leroy, for example, uh, for me, Leroy should have absolutely started mm. against Leon because he's been out for so long. He's played no world cup. He plays against Fulham. He does well. I mean, it's not amazing, but he does well enough that you think, all right, the lad's getting a bit of momentum here. Let's give him another game. And he'd take him out. Shuffle Bernardo and suddenly he's, he's wide right when he's so effective centrally. And you're just kind of like, well, I, I, I get why like on paper in, you know, in, in, in Pep's, you know, brilliant mind, he's gone right, you know, this, this, and this, and this, and this. But I think there's a little, a little bit, I think there's a lot to be said for the basics as, as, <laughs> as Fabian Delph would say. And, you know, the basics in, in, in this case is very much looking at what worked against Fulham in, and actually talking about the difference between Fulham and Liam, I don't think there's a huge difference. I don't think there's a huge difference in quality between Fulham and Leon. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think you can play that team. You can almost pick the same team again. And I think they'll do the, they'll, they'll do the job that you I need mean, to I do. Think so a point yeah, the, I mean, teams like Leon are not coming here with fear. So I think most, Teams go to the Alliance Arena already beaten, as most did under Ferguson and yes. Old Trafford. And I think 
a lot of teams still come to City. So there is some scope for us to do stuff like that when we're going to have 80% of the ball yeah. and they're not going to come into our half very much. Uh, but a team like Leon comes in and thinks, no, they're, they're not. The track record shows there's no reason to come here and be scared. We're going to go at them. So, And then that's not the time to be trying fancy new formations and you know, yet another new defensive partnership. It's, you know, it's, it's when you do it that's just as important. Not whether you do it at all. Yeah, no, that's absolutely, absolutely fair enough. Um, okay, we're going to we're going to preview West Ham and Chelsea now. Um, yes, yeah, so Pellegrini got his first win last weekend and a massive win uh, away at Everton. I, I watched that game and, as well as being personally delighted for him because I really like Pellegrini. I thought they were, I thought they were impressive in bits. Um, firstly, did you see that game? Yeah, ruined my accumulator, so <laughs> not quite as impressed as you were. Yeah, uh, yeah, they Excellent. were good. Yeah, they were full, uh, fully deserved the result. I think I uh, didn't see it coming to be honest. Uh, so yeah, I think that was a fair result. And just considering their, I can't remember what the fixture list is, but it's quite tough, isn't it? So what a time for him to turn it around because if he'd lost that one, obviously with Chelsea coming up, uh, but I think they've got some other top teams coming up. They would have been up under such pressure if he'd lost that one as well. Uh, totally. So what a good time to for the team to put. Yeah, and it just goes to show, you know, sometimes you do have to give a new manager time to, you know, to let his uh, players express themselves and take on board what he's trying to do. Well, that was going to be my next question, really. Um, is is that did you see the signs in that win that Pellegrini because let's face it he was under a lot of pressure going into that game um did you see enough in that game to to basically to think that he's on the right path he's the right manager for them that yeah that it, it's that he'll be all right basically yeah well it's one game so I'm not really going to make conclusions from that but yeah uh, I've not seen yeah, I know their results, but I've not, I don't think I've watched the full game of them before the Everton game. So I didn't know if they were just bad results or bad performances that go with the results. I heard they were actually quite good at Arsenal as well. Uh, yes, but of were. course, if they're well, at West Ham of many years now, they just always will leak goals and ruin any good work. So mm. I think that's key. And they've, always, you know, they've always got goals in them. So the key to me, you know, I'm not going to take too much from this, and they, they probably could have done with a few easier games now to build on that rather than having a run of tough games that if they lose undoes the momentum so to speak but then again if they pull off a result against Chelsea then it's really you know it's great timing so only time will tell I think as always with West Ham you've got to wait and see they're an up and down club and have been for years just there's plenty of talent in that squad it's just how you you know how you use them to be honest Uh, yeah. I thought it quite interesting that Jack Wilshire out that they put in one of their best before. You know, I rate Jack Wilshire, but is he just you know a liability at the moment? And the team seemed to work better without him in the side. Hmm. Do you think with Do you think with West Ham that the, I, I kind of I've seen I think three of their games so far this season, and the thing that has struck me is kind of classic Pellegrini in that. You know, I think they attack really well. Yeah. I think Felipe Anderson, Arnautovic, and um, Conor Plianka as a three is very dangerous. They they can score goals. I think against anybody in this league without question. But surprise, surprise, the the issues are are at the back um, and and how they defend. And even against Everton, I think that you know Everton created a lot of chances. Um, do you think that what do, where do you, where do you stand on you know because a lot of people that it's kind of the, the classic British thing of you've got to build from the back yeah <laughs> so where do you stand on that as a way to build a team like when you look at West Ham do you kind of go he's done it the right way here or do you go that's going to be their undoing the facts that really they can attack well but it doesn't matter because in the Premier League you need to be able to defend well yeah. I, I do kind of agree that you're doing it. Not to build from... I mean, you have to build from everywhere, but, yeah, I'm still not convinced. I said that they've... 
Yeah, they spent plenty of money in the summer. They built bought players, but are they all just exciting attacking players? I mean, there's Yarmolenko as well, who you know with a brilliant brace. But I still think there's a lack of protection at defensive midfield, and that defense doesn't scream out to you as a top class defense. I mean, I still think the that's the problem. That's you know, as I said before, the ability to concede goals is you know is been their downfall for quite a long time now, and I don't think yeah. I don't think they've really really put the money into you know. They've not really spread it around the team well enough for me. Uh, really, I, I think. Don't know, they, in the I mean, defense, spent... uh, what, do, what do you think of that defense? Obviously, we love Pablo Zabaleta, but he's getting on. You know, there's quite an old defense as well. I don't, you know, I don't know enough about someone like uh, Balbuena, but I don't know if you know more. But yeah, there might be top signings these, uh, but I don't see a lot in that defense to be honest. And if you're always susceptible to conceding a goal, then. You're always looking to survive, and little more than that, to be honest. Mm. I mean, uh, so Issa Diop, uh, who's the lad who they mm. signed from Toulouse, I believe, uh, he's only like 20, and they paid big money for him, 17, 80 million pounds. Is really, really highly rated in France, yeah. and I thought he was really good against Everton. I think the left-back Masuako is good. I like him. Um, he looks quality player. I think Fabianski is quality. Funnily enough, uh, I don't think the issue specifically with them is in the back four. I think their issue is in is in centre mid, and I think a few people have said it. I think that this it's just, the centre midfield is just not mobile enough. I think that uh, Obiang did quite well against Everton, but I think Mark Noble and Declan Rice are going to get run yeah, over yeah. by by most of the teams that that they come up against. But I actually think that for Pellegrini to to sort that out now that he's because I think he started the season playing the four four two that he played at City and he switched last weekend to a four three three with Obiang Noble and Declan Rice and then Yarmolenko Anderson and Arnautovic and I think that if he sticks with the four three three and he gets himself one maybe two centre midfield players in January then I think that they can really really kick on. Um, and just to answer my own question about you know whether this is a blip or whether I really think that he can turn it around, I think he can. I, I, I saw enough against Everton and against Arsenal to go, yeah, these will score goals against most teams in this league or they can score goals against most teams in this league. And I think that they've got new players in defence. They're playing a new system. I think they will get better. I think Issa Diop will get better each week. And I think you only need one to be commanding in the way that I think Diop can be commanding. Um, and you're on the right track. You're really on the right track. So, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm hopeful for Pellegrini. Um, and not just because I like him, because I, I, I like the business that they've done. Yeah. Um, just to move over I say to- after Chelsea, it's United at home as well, so... Exactly. It's a big Two test. tests coming up. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, um, Chelsea, uh, firstly, for you, genuine title contenders or too early to tell? Well, it goes one of two ways. Uh, Pep Guardiola's first season, of course, we won the first five or whatever. We, we had a good mm-hmm. record, didn't we? But we weren't playing yep. that well and we all thought, wow, if we're winning games when he's not even in playing his system properly then we're going to breeze this league. And, of course, it didn't last. Uh, with Sarri, I think he still feels... that He's not got... You know, he's not getting the perfect performances, but he's getting the results. So it goes two ways, that once it all clicks, they'll be even more fearsome, or he really does need loads of time and he won't keep up these results. But having won the first five games, then, yes, they have to be contenders. Don't see mm. it any way... Of course, well, the West Ham away, and then it's Liverpool at home, I think. So maybe you should ask me in a fortnight, <laughs> because the Liverpool game is obviously a fascinating one to see where both of those teams are at. Uh, but I don't, you know, the team's not going to get worse, is it? So I think they've got, they've started much better than I thought they would. I thought there's some, some more limited managers, so to speak, can come in impose themselves quickly, sort of defence out, you know, like an Allardyce, and just get, get some results. Sarri is closer to Guardiola on the scale that he needs time because he wants to implement a very specific uh, way of playing. And mm. I thought it would take six months, so time will tell. But if you win your first five games, how, you know, you have to be considered. You know, just, 
it's obviously packed full of quality in that squad, so no reason why they can't be, to be honest. They're in the Europa League, so uh, I imagine it, it will treat that. They will progress without having to play all the best players. So if you can manage that quite well, it shouldn't uh, it shouldn't impose too much on the league form. We know the Europa League can uh, have a bad effect on uh, on the league form for clubs, but I don't think Hazard Hazard didn't even travel this week, does he? So they can get through a Europa League group without really overexerting themselves. So yeah, they've got to be contenders. Uh, I'm still not convinced they've got enough up front, but do they need it? If you've got the, you know, if you get the goals from midfield and attacking midfielders, then it doesn't have to, you know, doesn't have to be that important, really. Mm. How do you see this game panning out? Just in terms of the, I think the fact that Chelsea play in the Europa League, um, and the game's on Sunday, and West Ham are at home, coming off the back of, is it good for West Ham to be at home? That's the first question. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> depends. Uh, depends what the crowd are like. So uh, obviously, it's home. That home has been a. Uh, troublesome for them from the beginning but I think the last result will surely yeah will affect the atmosphere and I think at least at the beginning the crowd will be up for this and very supportive so yeah that's surely better than having to go to Stamford Bridge instead uh, if the crowd get behind them how do I see it going God, how, you can't really call this one so I make Chelsea, I think Chelsea will win but I think they'll have to grind this one out Uh you know, like a 2-1 win or something, it'll be, it'll be quite tight uh, and a, quite an interesting game, to be honest. Yeah. How do you see it going? Yeah. Um, I assume it's not on the telly because it's just moved to the Sunday for... I'm not I'm not sure, Europa Bob. League reasons. I, as much as I love Pellegrini, I think that a team like Chelsea... Uh, oh, it is on the telly. It is on, yeah, it's on the TV, right. so it should be interesting, yeah. Uh, as as much as I like Pellegrini, I think that a team like Chelsea, they're playing the way that they're playing currently. Um, I think it'll be a really open game, but I think Chelsea will score a lot more goals than West Ham. It's that simple. So I think that there are spaces that West Ham will be able to exploit. Um, I think it probably will end up being a relatively high scoring game. Um, but I think Chelsea will, will be much the better over the 90 minutes just because you've got two managers with, similar-ish ways of playing, only one has got a much better squad to pick from yeah. than the other. Um, and in an open game like that, if it's a shootout, then I would expect Chelsea to win it. It's a very boring cliche, but if Chelsea get the first goal, then, you know, the sort of side, I think on the Sarri, that will be tough to come back from when they score first. So yeah, going to go on and get a second and a third. Uh, but we shall see. I think it'll be close. yeah, no. closer than you'd say, but I still think Chelsea will win that okay. game. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, okay, so the the second to last piece of business is Cardiff <gasps> versus Manchester City. Now, as I put in my notes, I'm not talking about this. Because, uh, <laughs> it's a preview Warnock show, is, surely. Yeah, I'm sorry, but Neil, all, all I will do is slag Warnock off and oh, I just... I just can't be doing with with him. I can't be doing with the way that they absolutely, you know, some of the challenges that went in last season were just an absolute disgrace when we played them in the cup. Um, I just, yeah, the guy can just do one for me. Uh, I think Cardiff will definitely be relegated. I think they're a dog shit team. Uh, It'll be tricky for City in that it'll be gnarly and it'll be nasty and... It's not one where you expect loads and loads and loads of pretty football, even if you do get loads and loads of possession. Um, and I think in particular, coming off the bad result in Leon, it's not really the game that you want to play coming off the back of what should have been a, yeah. a, a relatively straightforward home game that you should have won. You don't win it. And next up, you've got Cardiff away. Um yeah, I mean, I don't really know what else to say. There's not really any Cardiff players who I look at and I go, ooh, they're a threat. I think the biggest thing uh, will be what is our team selection. But I think even that, after what happened in midweek, uh, I'd be shocked if Bernardo's not played centrally. I'd be shocked if it's not Sterling and Sane on the wings. I'd be shocked if it's not Aguero up top. 
yeah, I mean, uh, it's the only changes, like the only, the call will be who'll play at centre half, whether it'll be Stones and Laporte or Otamendi and Laporte or maybe Otamendi and Vinny. I mean, I can maybe see it even being, nah, maybe it won't be both Otamendi and Vinny, but certainly be one of yeah, those two. So, I think so, yeah. yeah. What's your what's your vibe? I mean, do you think yeah. do you think are we ripe for an upset here? Are we ripe for a nil nil or a one one that sends everybody into a tailspin? Or do you see it as being more straightforward game than that? Yeah, obviously, if it's a game of quality, you know, of assessing quality of players, would absolutely romp home. But it's not going to be like that, is it? Uh, as you say, gnarly. It's going to be. We've got to play the game, and the game being fall to the ground every time one of their players goes through the back of you. Don't don't be nice about this. They're not going to be nice during this game whatsoever. Uh, yeah, last season was an absolute disgrace in the cup, some of those challenges, uh, as was his response to them. But then I think he did actually apologise a day after when he'd seen the replay. But I don't care. He's an absolute arsehole. Uh, the, the thing with Warner. People, are, they always say about Ward, oh, he's a lovely guy when you meet him. Well, don't give a shit because he's an absolute arsehole as a football manager. That I'm never, I'm never going to meet him, so I can only assess him of how he talk, you know, talks after football matches. And, of course, his players are never wrong. They've never done a bad tackle in their life. And we're a load of pusses for even, you know, for crying about the these challenges. We need to man up. Uh, yeah, what more can you say about him? The players, it's a championship side with a couple of additions. The threat, to use the obvious template, is set pieces. I mean, they lost 3-2 home to, Car- uh, to Arsenal was a strange game. They've got a goal threat because they'll put, they'll get the ball wide, they'll put crosses in, and that's why, yeah, Otamendi and company may be, may be chosen for this one. But to be honest, we should, you know, if we dominate the ball, we should be able to... They can't just put 10 men behind the ball saw how Arsenal created chances at will against them. We should have goals in us galore, you know, as long as we don't fall into the trap of being disrupted by their, you know, the spoiling tactic, so to speak. Mm. Do you think that there'll be an... um, So do you think that Wednesday kind of plays into our hands in that they turn up with... Maybe I'm mistaken, but I feel as though under Pep... um, generally after what is considered a disappointing or a bad result, we do tend to bounce back strong and well. Um, so do you, do you, do you expect us to do that or do you think it'll be a little bit more, it'll be a slow start? Yeah. No, I expect them to be focused and come out all guns firing. You know, as I left the ground, I heard someone else say on Wednesday, so oh, this is good news. This it's a kick up the arse need, and you said it as well. Well, we'll find mm. out on Saturday, won't we? If it yep. is a kick up the arse, then this is a game we should win comfortably. Absolutely, and as Stefan said on the flip side on Twitter, if we do draw this game, then it'll be a lot worse than the defeat to uh, oh. to Leon. Well, just- uh, but yeah, but look, I'm I'm. I'm feeling bullish again. I'm not going to make a score prediction because I'm the jinx, but I I do feel that that we'll get over the line. I do I do think that we'll we'll beat Cardiff. Um, what about for you? Like, what's your um, what's your take? Just as a final word on on how we approach this. So maybe give me a team and tell me whether you think the team gets over the line. What's your gut feeling? Uh, a team. I, I like your idea. Uh, well, I presume Mendy's still out, isn't he? So it, it's Dell from Walker as fullbacks because that's all it can be. I like your idea yep. of Otamendi and company, to be honest. Yeah, I think you know we could do that. Uh, it makes sense for this game. For well, I think we just know Fernandinho's going to start, don't we? So, uh, and I'd go back to Aguero. I'll get Sane, Sterling, Aguero again. Mm. I just want to see them. You know that that trio. In yeah. action. Uh, how many ever left? It's the two silvers, so I've got room for the two silvers. That's the game. Take it to them. Take it to them. Absolutely. I mean, why not? And- why not be attacking? They're not going to pass around us, are they? All they're going to do is lump it to the, the wings, probably, and try and get crosses in. So don't give them a ball. Yeah. Have your most skillful ball players keep possession and absolutely rip them to pieces. 
no concerns about both silvers maybe being, you know, in set, just in terms of centre mid and the physicality of the game, no concerns about the, playing the two silvers. My personal gut feeling is that Guardiola's not going to play them both in the middle, that Gundogan will absolutely play yeah. again. What about again? We've got the problem of Fernandinho and Gundogan together, so you're probably right. And maybe, maybe it's David Silva who drops out on mm. this one. That's what I'd do. Yeah. No, that's, that's a fair point. It depends. I mean, you know, if you dominate the ball enough, it shouldn't matter. Mm. It depends. So I think you're right to me. I think Gundogan starts, and I think David Silva will be the one to drop, and Bernardo moves back into the middle. Cool. And do you think we'll get over the line? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do I have to give you a score? No, you don't. You could just you could you don't have to. I mean, just just how kind of on a on a confidence Go again. Okay, but and on a confidence scale of one to ten, ten being almost certain that we're getting or certain that we're getting the result. How are you on the confidence scale? Eight. Interesting. Okay. Well, I'm. I'm. Physicality I'm a, always does worry me. So. Yeah, I, I just I don't like. I think we get over the line, but my confidence is between six point five and seven point five because. <laughs> I I do think that uh, I want to see a reaction. I hope for a reaction. Yeah. It has been known for us to not react. Yeah. Hence, my confidence levels are a little uh, a little uh, less confident than they would normally be. Okay, final word. We're wrapping this up with what I think is unbelievably good news. A surprise, Sergio Aguero. Surprise, surprise news. Sergio Aguero has signed a new contract now. I tried to get it clarified with Sam Lee this morning about whether it was an extension on the extension that he previously signed but didn't <laughs> announce. And, and Sam just said, look, mate, I just take it as written that it's until 2021 and they've announced it and that's enough. So I'm just going with the fact that we have three more years of Sergio Aguero. How happy are you with that? Well, just this is left field completely. I've literally, it's all mapped out. It was all mapped out for me. We have two more years David Silva, we have two more years of Sergio Aguero, and then they both leave. And then we all have a little cry, uh, or a big cry. And that was fine, because they'd go back to the homelands and see the careers out, and that's, you know, everyone's happy in a way because of it's just been amazing. That, you know, and the, the key ties in with Jesus to say, well, he's, you know, he's not the not the finished article, he's not doing enough, but he's got two years to do it, because once Aguero leaves, then he's... You know, if he's not the main man, then he'll have to move on as well. I did not see it this happening. I did not see it happening. Another two years. I think Sam mentioned that the three years takes him to ten years at the club, along yep. with David Silva. And that's obviously a, a joke on Twitter. That he's a money-grabbing mercenary. He just wants a testimonial. <laughs> uh, but obviously that's... Just, yeah, I didn't think of things like that. Yeah, he wants that decade at the club. And wow. What a nice way to, yeah, what a lovely way to look at things. That he wants his decade at the club and what how, what an amazing thing that would be to have have him here for a decade. Uh, absolutely made up. He's, he's not on the wane. So, you know, I don't, I see no reason why in two and a half years, as you know, he's coming towards the end. He won't still have loads to contribute to this side. Mm. Well, I think that, I think it speaks to his happiness. I yeah. think it speaks to, uh, the Not that lonely, story. is it? No, the stories about his relationship with with Guardiola, um, whatever it was at the start, it's been resolved. Obviously, he feels incredibly settled. Pep feels very, very settled with him being here. He he is our undisputed number one, number nine, um, and yeah, I just uh, I'm I'm absolutely buzzing and and absolutely made up, and yeah, I I think that uh, it's. It, all I need now is for Sterling to sign a new contract between now and the end of the season yeah. and I rest easy that the next three years are just going to be as amazing as as, as last year the last 12 months have been for me um, yeah there you go um, on on that note uh, Howard yeah let, let's see him break some more records now so absolutely absolutely let's see him break some more records and I suspect in three years time um, it'll be quite the choice about trying to decide Who's our greatest ever player, David Silva or Conaguero? Um, don't need it'll to. Be... Give it, give it. <laughs> you don't. You don't need to rank them. Just give them a statue each, 
Uh, and of course, a lifelong season ticket to City. <laughs> it's no wonder there's so many empty seats. The players own most of the uh, oh, <laughs> these love it. all these season tickets were handing out for free, eh? So yeah, I don't I don't need to rank them. I can't rank them. <laughs> I don't want to. Never ask never ask me that question again. Uh, I won't. But don't I just worry. hope they're honoured in the you know in the best possible way when that day eventually comes. Oh, absolutely, cracking absolutely. Up, cracking up here. Oh. Right, on that note, um, that was the Friday show. Howard, thank you very much. My pleasure. The voice, um, voice held out was... just about, sir. So. Excellent. I'm glad your voice. You actually, you sound fine, mate. You don't sound very great. Yeah, it's just my nose, sir. Okay, fair enough. Well, look, thank you, Howard. Thank you to everybody who listened. If you've not got a membership to 9320 Player, maybe go and check out the things that we do. Consider it four pounds a month, loads of content. We did over 120 podcasts last season. We'll definitely top that this season. We do reviews, interviews, all sorts of stuff. If you do take up a membership, then we'll be back on Mon- Sunday, maybe even with a review of a hopefully a victory against Cardiff tomorrow. In the meantime, thanks for listening. Up the blues. <laughs>